Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. With it being the last day of the year, I did want to take a moment just to kind of revisit this theme that we had for our church for the year, pleasing God with faith. We started with a series uh, beginning in this verse at the beginning of the year. And uh, I, I don't mention the theme every single service or even every single month. Sometimes I mention it in passing here and there. And uh, sometimes we see it so often that we kind of, you know, it just becomes a part of it and we don't even notice uh, the theme as we see the slides and stuff like that. Uh, but I wanted to take a look back at this verse again, just because it is a good thing for us to look back. And uh, especially on the last day of the year, I mean, it's just natural for us to kind of look back and think back on 2023 and think back on our personal lives, maybe our family, maybe the things that have happened. And uh, just on a personal level, this year has been a, a very exciting year for me. And uh, just taking a look back at the beginning of the year, uh, we had two kids and now we have three. And uh, praise the Lord for that. And we're excited. And it's been uh, an incredible joy. And just seeing, you know, our baby boy and holding him. And, uh, you know, he's, he smiles when he sees me. And he smiles when he sees people he recognizes, you know. And, and you know, that's awesome. And that's exciting. And I, I love to see that. And I, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, people ask me, you know, how it was, you know, having a boy. And I'm like, man, I can't wait to wrestle with my boy, you know. You know, I can't wait to, you know, kick a ball around and uh, play catch and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm, I, you know, it's been a really exciting year for us for the year. And uh, looking back on the church, you know, it's, it's been, uh, there's been a lot of changes. You know, Brother Robbie was a youth pastor for a number of years, and then he uh, went on deputation, and uh, he's been traveling around. He's come in and out here and there, and uh, you pray for him as he continues on raising support to be able to plant a church. Uh, I think, Lord willing, in Hawthorne, that is his plan. Uh, obviously, you know, between here and there, we'll see how God leads, but, you know, wants to plant a church in Hawthorne, and uh, so you pray for him and uh, that deputation process. The Spanish ministry is independent now, and, and uh, just a couple minutes up the road and so it seems like things are going really well there and so we've had a number of changes here at the church and uh, we're looking forward to the future i know um it was either this past week or the week before uh, some of uh, Pastor Choi and Brother Brooks and, uh, you know, went out and visited this uh, property and uh, we've been looking for a new building and a new property. And so we're praying that, uh, that the Lord will lead and guide and, and that we'll get the right place at the right time that's right for our church. And there's a lot of exciting things that have happened this past year in the church and also in my life. And I hope that in your life as well, as you look back, uh, you'll praise the Lord. And so just as a church all together, Together, I think it'll be good for us just to take a look back at this verse specifically. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Why? For he that cometh to God. Now, I trust that that's the reason why you're here today. That you want to be near to God. That you've come here this morning because you want to approach the almighty creator. That's why you're here this morning. He says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You must believe, of course, that there is a God, but that the God is who he says he is. Now, God elaborates on what kind of God he is. That he is a rewarder of them that diligently 
seek him. You know, every single Sunday we gather together and we preach the word of God. We encourage you every single day to get into your word and get into the Bible. And, and uh, I just want you to think about who is this God that we worship? Who is this God that we preach? Who is this God that is proclaimed in the word of God? And we could use so many different words and so many different descriptions and so many different names that even God himself uses for himself. But if we're to limit ourselves to this one verse, what we see is that God is a rewarding God. That's who God is. That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so as we consider this idea of faith, we consider this idea of it being impossible to please him without faith. The idea is that we come to the Lord with the faith, trusting that God will reward as he has promised. So here is the kind of faith that God is looking for. And I simply want to ask you the question, what kind of faith do you have? And how is your faith? Do you believe that God is a rewarder? Do you believe that God rewards them that diligently seek him? And do you believe that the rewards and promises of God's word are true? Hebrews chapter 11 is an elaboration giving examples of those that trusted God and received the reward for that faith. And there's so many different examples that we could look at. We don't have time to take a look at all of them, but we're going to take a look at four examples. Four individuals, taking a look at these four individuals, we'll see four rewards that come to those that have this kind of faith. First reward is the reward of individual fruit. As we mentioned, God is the, the God of blessing. And when you go all the way back to the beginning, you see that God blesses and that God is good and God wants to give good. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and you see that Adam was created, the first man was created, the first human being was created, when you read the, the creation account, you'll know that God made Adam by himself. There was just one human being there at the beginning, Adam. And the Bible says, looking at Adam, this creation of his, made in his own image, made without sin, in verse number 18, he says, And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make and help me for him. Praise the Lord. You know what God did when he looked at his creation? He said, there's something missing here and it's not good. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do good. And I'm going to give him something good. And God gave Adam Eve. He gave to the man, the woman. And so you see that God, right from the very beginning, you see the heart of God. You see the reward of God. You see the blessings of God. God wants to do good. You see that all the way from the beginning in Adam, all the way throughout the scriptures. We're going to take a look at an example here in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 31. Here's an example of somebody that had faith and was rewarded. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 31, the Bible says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. 
So to, to go back to this story, we're back in the Old Testament. We're there in the book of Joshua. Joshua's leading the children of Israel into the promised land. And the first city there in the promised land that they're facing is Jericho. Jericho was a large, important city. It had a large wall surrounding the city. And certainly one that the children of Israel, they're not warriors. They're not soldiers. They're not trained or equipped for this. They don't know how to conquer this, but God had a plan. And if you know the Bible, you know that they walked around the walls once a day for six days on the seventh day, seven times, and, and uh, the walls came tumbling down and they ran in and they conquered the city. But before they did that, Joshua sent in a couple of spies just to kind of scout out the city. And so they go into the city, obviously they are kind of discovered as who are these people, and, and Rahab brings them into her home and hides them. And uh, what she says to them is this. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. She says, we know about all of these things. We know about what happened in Egypt. We know about what happened in the wilderness. We know about all of these things. Verse number 11, and as we, soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God... He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. She recognized, you know what? This God that the Israelites are worshiping, that must be the real God. And you know what? She, whatever false idols she was worshiping before, she said, you know what? I'm leaving those idols and I'm going to follow God. And I'm going to put my trust in this God. And you know what? She was the only one in the city that believed that way. The king didn't believe that. The other people didn't. They easily could have said, you know what? We're on the wrong side here. That's the God of, the, of creation. That's the true God. We should worship that God. But instead, they did not. And you know what's interesting is Rahab believed when her neighbors did not. She believed when the city did not. She believed when others did not follow in the clear plan of God that, you know what? This is, this is the real God. And you know what? She was rewarded for it. The Bible says that she was saved and delivered because she put her faith in the Lord. You know, I hope that encourages us because as we look around, we see a world and a culture that doesn't believe God. We see a world and a culture that doesn't follow God and, and they have their own ways and their own plans and their own desires. And they're not always according to the word of God. Most of the time they're against the word of God and, and they're going to do things and they're going to pressure everybody else. And that's the way of the world. And sometimes it feels like the whole world is against you and you're the only one swimming upstream. But God promises if you put your trust in God, he will reward. And so God encourages us to be faithful. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 5 says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. You know what God did for Enoch? The Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die. We all know every, one of these days, every one of us, we're going to die. Unless the Lord comes and raptures us away, we're, we, we all have a day ahead of us where we're going to die. Enoch never had that day. God simply took him from earth 
and put them straight into heaven. I wonder what that was like. What, what would it be like to just go straight from earth directly into heaven? I wonder what that was like. But God did that for him. And you know, honestly, if you ask Enoch, hey, Enoch, if you put your trust in God, what do you think God will do for you? And if you were to ask him to write it down, if you were to ask anybody, what do you think the reward of God is? I promise you, none of them would have thought that. None of them would have imagined that this was even possible, that God would even do that. And yet God did it for Enoch because he had this testimony that he pleased God. He did something for Enoch. God did something for Enoch. Even he couldn't even imagine. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64, For since the beginning of the world men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. I hope this verse, this theme that we've had for the year, encourages us to wait on the Lord. Oh, there, there are some things that nobody's seen before. There are some great blessings that you couldn't even imagine if we would just continue to follow the Lord. When we trust in the Lord, there is this reward, this blessing that God pours out upon our lives. But there's another blessing, another reward, if you will, the impact on your family. We're there in, uh, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse number six is our theme. Verse number seven says this, By faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. Right? This is the old story of Noah and the ark. You know, the floods came and the waters came, but Noah had prepared an ark. We know that. We know that Noah had put his faith in the Lord, that he had put his trust in God, and the grace of God was upon Noah. And Noah was saved. Praise the Lord for that, that Noah was saved. But the Bible doesn't just say that Noah was saved. There's a few other people that were saved as well. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. You see, the faith of Noah didn't just impact his life, it impacted his family's life. The faith of Noah didn't just impact himself, it impacted his wife. Noah's faith didn't just impact his life, it in fact impacted his son's lives. And his son's lives, not only that, his uh, daughters-in-law's lives. There are eight of them that were there together, that were saved in the ark because Noah had faith. He put his trust in God and it made a difference in his family. And the faith that individuals have in God results in blessings that overflow into the lives of people around us. Acts chapter number 16 is an example of Paul as he's going through different cities on his missionary journey, preaching the word of God. In Acts chapter number 16, he arrives in the city of Philippi, current day Greece. And uh, he was there in the area of Macedonia. And so he's there and he's preaching in that city of Philippi. And, and the Bible says in Acts chapter number 16, verse number 15, and when she was baptized and her household, she besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. The Bible says that God had opened the heart of Lydia and she heard the word of God and, and Paul preached the gospel to her and she got saved. But the Bible there says not just her, her house got saved. Other people in her, in her home got saved. They trusted Christ as well. 
later in verse number 30, after Paul and Silas were arrested and, and they were in jail and, and God delivers them. And we know about the jailer comes and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And what else? And thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Because this jailer heard the word of God and trusted Christ as his savior, he brought Paul and Silas home. And they also heard the word of God and they also were saved. And, and you see that when one individual has faith, that, that doesn't just impact his life, it impacts the lives of those around him. Most importantly, it impacts his family. Let's consider some of the commands of the Bible regarding the family. And how much of a blessing it will be if we would simply trust God. The, the, the faith that God desires of us is simply this. God has given to us commands, and our faith is, if we simply obey God, he will bless. We don't always know how. We don't always know where. We just know that if we will trust God and obey, God will bless. Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter number 6 gives us some of the commands for husbands and wives, fathers and children. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Verse number 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So here we have these two commands. Wives, submitting yourselves unto your own husbands. Husbands, Loving your wife, even as Christ also loved the church. And here is a part of the faith of the husband and the wife. Sometimes we do things in the home that are not reciprocated back to us. Right? That's what we would hope and expect in a relationship, that we would do something and receive something in return. But let's just be honest, sometimes husbands aren't perfect. Sometimes wives aren't perfect. We're all sinners. And everybody is in a different place, and we all trust that we're trying to follow the Lord, but I'm not always treating my wife the way that she deserves to be treated. But you know what? The Bible says, if you'll simply trust me and obey, I will reward. Isn't that encouraging? That you know what? You know what? Maybe the, 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 my wife or my spouse or uh, that other person in my family, they, they don't always respond the way that I hope that they would respond, or maybe that you would expect that they would respond, or how the Bible says that they ought to respond. But the Bible says, if you will trust him, you will be rewarded. Not only that, the blessings will flow into your home. Imagine if you did have husbands and wives that would simply say, you know what? As a husband, no matter what my wife does, I'm going to love her even as Christ loved the church. Don't you think that would make the home a better place? And the wife would say, you know what? Uh, my husband's not perfect, but I'm going to submit to him and trust that God will bless here. Wouldn't that be a wonderful home? Let's consider the parents and the children. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. For this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Verse number four, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So you have these two commands. You'll notice out of these four, husbands, wives, parents, and children, the explicit promise was only given to the children. 
Because children need a little help. They need a little explanation of this is what I'm saying and this is how you'll be rewarded. You have to be a little bit more clear and make things more direct with children so they understand how this works. And, and God says to the children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor them and I will reward you. So there's the personal promise. But also there's the blessing that overflows into the family. How many of you parents would just say, you know what, our home would be a wonderful place if our children would just obey. <laughs> you know, it's not easy for children to obey, you know, get along with each other, do their chores, and, and, and do all of the things that they need to do. But the Bible says, if you will obey, I promise you, I will reward. And not only that, the blessings will overflow into the family. You know, this past week, with it being Christmas, uh, I had some of my family here with me, and uh, my, my mom and my dad and my sister, they were here with us and here for a couple of days, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they are able to come down uh, during uh, the Christmas time. It's kind of like an annual thing. They come down every Christmas, and uh, they live up in Seattle, so they get to get out of the, the rainy Seattle, and then they come down here, and then uh, they get the rainy LA. <laughs> we got rain here this week, and so, you know, maybe not what they were exactly expecting, but, you know, it's still warmer, you know, and usually it's sunny, it's nice, you know, so they get to come down, and so it's always nice to have them here, and, uh, you know, my brother-in-law was here for, uh, for a little while on Christmas Day. It's nice to have family together, but especially as I consider my own family, I consider the faith of my mom and my dad. My mom and my dad, they were saved when I was very young. When I was about two years old, they got, got saved. They went to this camp, and uh, it was like a three-day camp, and uh, there was preaching all day long. You know, my dad says it was eight hours a day, eight hours of preaching on the first day, eight hours of preaching on the second day, and like eight hours of preaching on the third day or something like that. It's a lot of preaching. They covered like the whole Bible. They started in creation and Adam and Eve and sin and everything. And at the end of that, my dad got saved. And that changed his life. God has blessed him greatly for it. But not only is he blessed because of that, I'm blessed as well. You know, I praise the Lord that I was able to go to a church growing up at a young age. I'm glad that my parents took me to church, and I'm glad that my parents put me in places where I could hear the Word of God, and they encouraged me to follow God and to listen to the Word of God, and, and uh, they made some very uh, big decisions in their life. They made a decision that, that we would be homeschooled. We had, we had gone here and there, and we had gone to Christian school and things like that, and ultimately my parents decided, you know what, in order for our kids to, to get what we think that they need academically and spiritually as well, my mom and my dad, but mostly my mom, as she was doing all of the labor, took on, you know, the three of us as uh, we were homeschooled together in our house. And uh, so my mom's not from this country, you know, she was born and raised in Korea and graduated college there and then came here and she's taken upon this task of teaching us all of these different things and English and history and, and stuff like that. And she had some help in curriculum and things like that. But they, they made these decisions that were heavy burdens upon them, a lot of work, a lot of labor, a lot of, a lot of added things into their lives. But I'm glad that you know, when I went up to Seattle a few weeks ago, and I, I was up there, and, uh, you know, my whole family, they live up there, I was glad on a Sunday morning we were able to all go to a church and worship the same God together. That we were able to just rejoice in the Lord together and just praise the Lord for His blessings, praise the Lord for His salvation. And I, I think that the faith of an individual doesn't just reward and bless the individual, but those blessings spill over into the family. Thirdly, we see that there is this blessing of reward of an investment in the future. You see a personal reward 
Lord, you see a, a blessing that overflows into your family, but we also see a blessing that spills over into those that live beyond us. You know, usually when people think about investment into like the future and future generations, it's often a financial investment, you know, uh, an inheritance that might be given to an heir. And, you know, you think about all these uh, mega billionaires and you think, man, it might be kind of nice if I was one of their kids and just got, you know, even a billion dollars might not be so bad. And, uh, you know, that, that might not be too bad. Bill Gates has a lot of money. Jeff Bezos has a lot of money. If he just wants to donate money to somebody, you know, I'll freely take it, you know, and uh, that might might not be so bad and you might look at them and think wow that might be so awesome to be able to have such a huge inheritance uh, from them and I don't know exactly what they're gonna do but uh, I'm sure it's gonna be more than you know the inheritances that we get or give but I think the Bible speaks of a greater inheritance that people can receive than simply money or simply opportunities to be successful in the business world in their career setting up some networks or things like that. I think the Bible gives us this, this idea that there is a, there's a better inheritance that we could have and give. And it's inheritance that's related to faith. Now, you can't pass on your faith to anybody else. I wish that we could. I wish that we could just pass on our faith to our kids and that they would trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, as their savior because of the inheritance that we receive. They, they must have their own faith. They must put their own trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Sometimes when we go out door knocking, we, you know, talk to people and, you know, we meet strangers and we ask them about, you know, do you go to church or, you know, do you, you know, where, do you know where you would go when you died and, and things like that. And they say, oh, my whole life I've been a Christian. I grew up going to church and, uh, yeah, my parents took us to this church over here and I've been going to church my whole life. I've been a Christian my whole life. Well, the Bible makes it very clear you can't be a Christian your whole life. At some point, you must make your own decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Everyone must have his own faith. But we can give an example of faith and give the footsteps of faith and show them the rewards of faith and show them that God is true and that the Bible is true. And so that they might see and think, you know what? God has blessed my dad. God has blessed my mom. I want that same kind of blessing. And, and following that and say, you know what? God must be true because I see the evidence in their lives. And I, I see how God is changing them. And I see how God is blessing them. And, and I, want, I want to have that same kind of faith and follow in their footsteps and understand that Jesus Christ is real. He really did die on the cross. And he really did die for your sins. And we can leave a testimony that God is and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Paul famously had his son in the faith, Timothy. And he was somebody that he mentored, somebody he considered his own son in the faith. And, and uh, he really helped him and encouraged him and he wrote to him and, and he served alongside of him and gave him instruction. And, and the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, describing him and his family, he says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwell first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also. He says, I know that your grandmother was the first one to be saved. And I know that your mom then got saved after that. 
And I believe that that same kind of faithfulness to the Lord after you got saved is the same kind of faith that your grandma had and your mother had and now you have as well. There was something there in that family that there was a demonstration of faith and an example of faith and they, and they followed in that faith and first Lois followed by Eunice and then finally by Timothy. You see that example and I, I want to have that same kind of testimony for my kids. That my kids will follow up in, in, in our footsteps and to be able to see that testimony, I pray that they will be saved at a young age. I pray that they will follow in the Lord and serve. And that's what you see here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. He looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You know, Abraham was the first one to take that step of faith in his family. But praise the Lord, he was not the last. Abraham followed the Lord, Isaac Follow the Lord. Jacob, follow the Lord. Joseph, follow the Lord. You see that example that was given, that, that you see that Abraham followed in faith and God, was, God blessed him and, and the generations that followed after him, that they saw the faith of their forefathers and said, you know what? God is real and I'm going to follow that God. And, and they received that example and testimony and you see the blessings that came. Imagine the heart of an Abraham as he looks upon Isaac following the Lord, and then he sees Jacob following the Lord. And imagine that heart and, 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 uh, uh, of excitement just to see that, you know what, it's not going to end with me, it's going to continue on. There's going to be subsequent generations that follow the Lord. The fourth and the last blessing or reward that we see is inhabitants in heaven forever. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 11 says, the, uh, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now Sarah was 65 when Abraham was called to leave his home and to go to the promised land. At 65, she had no kids. And at 65, she receives the promise you're going to have a baby boy. Now, how would you think if you had no kids for 65 years and suddenly you're told you're going to have a child? The Bible says that Sarah believed. She had faith. You know what? If God could create the universe, he could do the impossible. And the Bible says that she was rewarded for her faith. And we see the individual blessing there. Imagine the joy of Sarah as she has Isaac. There's great joy there. Not only is there personal joy, personal rewards, rewards in her family, Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. Oh, there's a great example there. And the descendants that followed. But if you go all the way back to the promise in Genesis chapter number 12, you see exactly what God is intending with this promise. The end fulfillment. In verse number one, he says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. See, the God of the Bible is not just, I'm going to reward you, I'm going to bless you, but you also will be a blessing. 
Verse number three, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. Through the descendant of Abraham, the whole world is blessed. Now, how is that fulfilled? Is it because of all of those that, that are Jewish and they have, uh, uh, they have Nobel Prizes and uh, great uh, uh, scientific discoveries? Is that what God meant by this promise? Through the arts, you know, there are many that have uh, contributed to the arts. Is that where the blessing is fulfilled? Is it in politics? Where is this promise fulfilled? It's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the promise. Jesus Christ is the one that, that God is pointing to when he says, you will not only receive a blessing, but you will be a blessing through Jesus Christ. You know what we could do to be a blessing to others? Give to them Jesus Christ. Share with them the Savior of the world. Share with them how they might have the full blessings of God. We see that promise in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 1, the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. You know, Paul considered his great reward in the Christian life to be those that were saved. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 19, the Bible says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. You know what Paul most looked forward to in heaven besides the Lord Jesus Christ? He wasn't most looking for the mansion or the treasures in the mansion in heaven. You know what he was looking for? He was looking for his great crown and joy. It was people who were saved. You know, I, I came across a story about Nicholas Winston, who was a British stockbroker during uh, World War II. And uh, before the war officially broke out, he was planning on going on a skiing vacation. And uh, he was going to go to Switzerland and go on a skiing vacation. And uh, he got this call for help to go to Czechoslovakia. And uh, Czechoslovakia, if you know, that was part of it was given over to Germany. And so, uh, you know, uh, there were some that were trying to rescue the, the Jewish children that were there and uh, send them to a place of safety. And so he received this call for help. And so he went over to Prague and he went to Czechoslovakia and he was, he was trying to get uh, some help together. And he was, he was calling people and trying to get them to receive uh, uh, these uh, Jewish children who are at risk from the Nazis. And, and he spent a month there from the month of December into January, six months before German, uh, I guess this was actually before the occupation of Czechoslovakia. And he found homes for 669 of these children in Britain. Many of their parents ended up uh, perishing in the concentration camp. So he was trying to help all of these kids. And throughout the, the spring and into the summer, he was trying to call people and, and get them to accept these, uh, these orphans and get them to accept them into their home. 669 of them saved through his efforts. Well, after the war ended, he was mostly forgotten. Nobody really recognized uh, his efforts or noticed any of these different things until 50 years later. 50 years later, his wife was going through like the attic and the storage and uh, was going through, you know, what was there and found a scrapbook of all of the names of the children that he had saved. 
And she took this book and she sent it over to somebody that would be able to, you know, try to, that would try to help in these kinds of efforts. And, and they, they located a number of these and, and uh, found 80 of these children still living in Britain. And uh, so they got Winston, uh, Nicholas Winston, over to this little theater, and they had this little uh, program about his life and about his accomplishments. And there's a theater full of people and, and uh, about what he had done so many years before in, in, uh, in, uh, in England and there in, uh, in Czechoslovakia in the city of Prague. And, and uh, he was pointing, the, the, the host was pointing out, you know, the person sitting next to you is one of the girls that you saved. And, and she said a few words, and then on the other side, there was another man, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, in the program, they had, all right, if you were saved by the efforts of Nicholas Winston, I want you to stand. And there were about, a, you know, about two dozen people standing right there around him that all stood. Following that, they said, how many of you are the children or grandchildren of those that were saved by the efforts of Nicholas Winston? And the entire auditorium stood. You could see the tears in his eyes as he's looking at all of the effects. And don't you think that he thought maybe even in that moment, I'm glad I didn't go skiing and I went to go help. And I'm glad I didn't go on that vacation. Man, that vacation would have been fun. I really would have enjoyed it. That would have been nice for me, but I'm glad that I didn't. I'm glad that I went over there and I did what I did and just to see the rewards and the blessings and how many of us will be able to go to heaven and think, you know what, I'm glad I didn't go skiing. I'm glad I went soul winning. I'm glad somebody heard the gospel. I'm glad somebody got saved. What a wonderful blessing and reward for you. 